Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today. I so appreciate you. I'm so grateful to be able to be here with you together, whether you're listening on an internet site, a podcast uh, hosting platform, or you're on the radio with me. I appreciate you. I see you. I see how amazing and powerful and wonderful you are in this world. And I'm here to celebrate you today. I want to talk to you today about your what and your why. Why do we do the things that we do? What drives us? What is the why behind it? And what are the reasons and what are the things that we do for the things that we do? And it it can be so diverse, you know. It can be, um, you know, the way that we set up our company, the way we set up our websites uh, or do our marketing or our advertising on or offline can be based in both our why, why are we doing what we're doing, uh, you know, what is that thing that we want to accomplish in the world, what are the needs of the people we're meeting, what are the needs of the people we want to reach, um, all of those come into play, you know, and like you said, whether it be something that basic as the setup of your business and your marketing and, and what have you, or it be, uh, you know, why do you want to be successful? Not just that you become successful, but why did you want to? What drives you to stay there? What's the why that keeps you in the game after you've reached that level of success? You know, when you make, when you go from nothing to six figures, you know, what's the why that drives you to want to build the company even bigger? When you become a seven-figure company, what's the why that's going to propel you to become an eight-figure or a nine-figure or even a ten-figure company. The difference in the what and the why for an Amazon or a Google versus all of the other companies that have competed, maybe we should say not competed in that space, that they just didn't necessarily have that powerful of a what and a why. A lot of times, I even wrote about this in one of my very first books, Um, I was talking about passion. And the thing about it is our why, our passion, our purpose that propels us. That's what gets us through the hard times. That's what moves us through the most difficult of circumstances when we're just chasing a fad, following a trend, doing something because it's popular right now. We tend to find ourselves unfulfilled, and not really having the success. And often, when the going gets tough, the untough are the ones that, in this case, get going. Not meaning that they get moving and they do things, but rather they just move out and move on to the next thing. So what is your what and your why? What are the kind of things that, in your personal life, when struggles, triumphs, tragedies come into your life that keep you pushing forward towards that goal? What's the why behind it? What are the things you do to keep yourself motivated? What's your purpose? Why do you do it? Who's it for? What do they need? All of those kind of things. And I have three very diverse, but very much on point with the concept of what and why that I'm going to bring to you here today so that we can all learn from them, we can strive to be better at what we're doing, but most importantly, we can live our lives as thriving entrepreneurs to succeed immensely because we are driven by the passion of our why and we know what it is that we're here to do in this world as we thrive in everything that we do.
So let's jump right into our first guest. Join me in welcoming Sabine Gaiden. How are you doing today? I am doing well, Steve. How are you? I'm doing good. And your last name is probably pronounced Gideon, isn't it? It is. It is. Got it. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Yeah, so uh, today, how I show up, this version of me, uh, is as an executive coach and a leadership development consultant. Um, I work both with women and emerging leaders, so that looks like me working with individuals, as well as me partnering with organizations to up-level their emerging leaders. And that includes, you know, people who are new to leadership and those who may have been in leadership roles, uh, but can use some, a little bit of fine tuning, if you will. So many people use the phrase emerging leader. How do you define that phrase? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. Um, so I've, I've had to clarify that uh, a lot, obviously. Uh, to me, um, an emerging leader is not necessarily like, you know, someone who is new to management. I do, I, my philosophy, and I share this quite often, is that we're all leaders. Uh, we all have innate uh, leadership ability. And for many of us, you know, some of it lays dormant. However, if you look around, regardless of what your role is or your title in a company or in your business, we're leading at all capacities, whether it's our household, our homes, at work, at school, business, you name it. And so it's really for me, what I see the emerging leader is that person who is coming into the truth of that identity and they are beginning to embody what it means to be a leader, what it means to show up as themselves authentically, uh, what it means to communicate uh, their vision, what it means to rally people around them, uh, to influence them to help achieve a particular goal. So what we used to say, the first level of management, manage yourself. Yeah, self-leadership, for sure. So a lot of people, well, first of all, let's talk about it this way. Some people just don't want to be leaders, and that's okay. Yeah. And so in that sense, right, again, looking at how we're defining leadership here, if it's I don't want to be a leader in an organization or in a department or whatever the case may be, uh, that's completely fine. But in some form or fashion, in, in all of our lives, we are leading. Uh, even for the single person who is, you know, leading a household uh, or, you know, leading in some capacity and, and, and you know, maybe to take away some of the pressure of what leadership is. Uh, you know, we, we know the basic definition of leadership is the ability to influence others. Um, so if you think about it, if you are a, a, even a stay-at-home mom who participates in their kid's school, um, who's, you know, I think they used to be called the PTA uh, back when I was growing up. I'm not sure what they're called now. Uh, but you have taken a role um, as part of the committee, right? That's still leadership. So I, I think it's, it's less about the title and more so around an identity. Mm. So, I mean, that's such a great direction to take things. Um, so for the person who hasn't realized how powerful their leadership role is, say the stay-at-home mom, or you know, even if she works an outside job and still is a mom, <laughs> um, how do we help a person embrace and understand how powerful their leadership role is. Yeah, that's a really great question. And so, you know, not to be super philosophical on it, right? But we each have like these unique gifts and talents uh, that we do, things that we do naturally that we don't even think about it and it just shows up. And oftentimes it's very easy for us to discredit the things that come easy to us or come natural to us because, you know, their quote unquote wasn't a struggle or we didn't get education for it. And so there, you know, there are people out in the world, like they have this true passion for helping others. Like they can't, they can't see a problem and not want to jump in and, and solve it. Right. That is that is a unique gift right there. That is that is a, um, a leadership trait, if you will. 
uh, or, you know, for someone who can uh, remember things really well, who has that impeccable memory. I envy those people, by the way. Um, but those individuals with impeccable memories that they, they can remember any detail uh, that they see. So it's really beginning to help people uncover what is it, what is it about you? What is your, your secret sauce, or as I like to call it, your unique brilliance? Um, what is that thing that you do so naturally that when you are operating in that space or that zone of genius, that you are able to you know, accomplish so much, that you're able to influence others, that you're able to get stuff done? And so part of what I do is help people really truly tap into that and understand that you can leverage that natural gift, that natural unique brilliance, you can leverage it across many different uh, areas or avenues within within your life and, and within the roles that you play uh, in your home, in society, in your business, or in your workplace. Hmm. So, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I want to go back to it a little bit. Um, what happens in the world again, I'm trying to probably be a little bit too philosophical too, but what happens in the world when the person doesn't step up and fill the leadership role that's meant for them? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, you know, I always think about the, the, piece around like you know the the biggest regrets that most people have is like not living their life to the fullest or not living their life un unapologetically or you know doing the thing that they they truly wanted uh to do and to me i, I feel like that that falls along the same lines right um when you deny yourself you know the the recognition of your own gifts of your own talents uh, you essentially deny the entire world. Um, and being a, a believer, a Christian, you know, I, I truly believe that we all have a purpose and we all have an assignment that we we are uniquely sent into this world to um, to do, to complete, uh, to share with others, whether it be through service, you know, in, in some capacity or, or the other. So I do think that, you know, if if we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to explore what that unique uh, brilliance is or, or that zone of genius or that, uh, you know, that expertise uh, as a leader or, you know, in our sphere of influence there that we don't just rob ourselves, but we rob the entire world of, of a gift, um, an, uh, of a power that, you know, no one else can fill. Well, I'm encouraged. I hope people listening are as well. Um, so let's give them a couple of tangible things that they could do to start stepping up as a leader in their own life right now today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so intentionality is first and foremost, right? Uh, so the, the first thing, and this is going to be like a real... Uh, these exercises are, are, are might seem like you're you're back in school, uh, but one of the first things that I've shared with people, especially if you're at this place, it, it, I guess it de also depends on where people are in their lives. But if you're at this place where you are feeling stuck or you are feeling stagnant, or you know, like things are moving and you're you know outwardly seemingly successful, but it doesn't, things don't seem to be clicking for you. Um, one of the best ways, obviously, is to gain some clarity. And so what I challenge people to do is to make a list of your top 50 accomplishments. Now, these can be accomplishments, great and small. Like I woke up today. Uh, if that was a struggle for you and you did it, you know, write it down and don't stop until you get fit. To you get to 50. You can do more, certainly, uh, but don't stop until you get to 50. The having this, uh, having this list, right, is going to do two things for you. In the moment, it's going to help you to see, wow, I've really done a lot with my life. Um, there have been a lot of wins. Because sometimes when we're in that place, it, it, we can see more of the losses and more of the, you know, confusion and the uncertainty than we do, you know, the actual actuality of what we've, we've actually done. So you make the list and it's something that you go back to repeatedly daily or when you find yourself sinking into that place like my life is not moving or you know I'm not sure what the next step is. Part two to that 
is to create uh, this list of 25 items that if if money were no object, time were no object, like you have no limits. And I, I usually liken it to go back to being a little kid again. You know, as little kids, like our imaginations uh, were amazing, right? Like there's nothing that we can't do. There's no impossibility. Like we haven't started adulting yet. And so, you know, the sky's the limit. You ask a little kid, what do you want to be? It's, it's, it's something amazing, like an astronaut, a doctor. They're not thinking about college tuition or a mortgage or anything like that. So I challenge the adults to go back to that place of, you know, childlike faith, childlike excitement, childlike imagination, and identify just 25 things, right? If, if none of the restrictions uh, uh, that currently exist were present, what would you do? What would you want to accomplish? Like what, you know, what would that look like for you? And so in doing that, again, in, in creating that space for you to for you to dream, for you to imagine, for you to let go of any inhibitions and any constraints, uh, self-imposed constraints of what's possible, uh, you will see in that list that comes through a theme. Um, now the theme can lead to some clarity in terms of, you know, well, what's next? Like you can, you know, some people will prioritize it like, okay, this is my first goal. This is low hanging fruit. I can, I can complete this. Or for others, it might just give them a space of that space to creatively see, wow, there's a lot in here around, you know, um, uh, becoming an artist, or there's a lot in here around traveling, or there's a lot in here around X, whatever that is, and allowing that to be the, the foundation and in, in, in terms of direction of where to head next. And then from there, you know, I'm, I'm big on goals. You start to, once you've identified where there's a common theme, you know, create a goal around it create a goal around how you're going to achieve it. So, you know, we talk about SMART goals. I, I, I think for those of you who aren't familiar with SMART goals, it's something that, you know, that you have a specific time frame around it. It's, it's specific, it's measurable. Uh, what are the actions that you're going to take? It has to be relevant. It has to be something that means something to you and you have to put a timestamp on it. So if it's, you know, I want to uh, travel overseas, right? Um, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there and probably in a post pandemic world. Um, nonetheless, decide what, what date do you, do you wanna do that? Uh, what resources is it going to require in terms of money, in terms of time, uh, education, whatever it is that you need, and then start working towards that. Mm, that is such good stuff. So for the person who needs a little bit of help, they need you in their life to be able to get to where they're going. Um, how can they work with you? Yeah, great question. And, and thank you for that. So I, um, you, you can always connect with me via my website, sabinegideon.com. Um, I'm also in the process of launching uh, She Leads Network. And this network is, is really designed to do exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you know, we have a lot of, and it's designed for women and emerging leaders, of course, and the focus of it is really to help build that community collaboration and connection that you typically, you know, need in, in a network environment, but also includes the, the coaching. So the development, the training, the accountability to help you move forward. Because, uh, I, you know, I, I talk about dreaming, giving yourself the space to dream, but you know, without accountability and without a plan, it's just going to stay a dream. Um, and, you know, for many, uh, you know, that creates frustration, that creates all types of things. So within this network, you get to dream, you get to have a supportive team of individuals with you to cheer you on. But at the same time, you get me as your coach to uh, help pull you along to ensure that that dream becomes reality. So it's She Leads Network, the, the she as in S-H-E, leads, L-E-A-D-S, network.com. Uh, the site is live and, and people can uh, begin to register, but our official launch will, will be in the coming month. That is good stuff. Well, Sabine, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Thank you so much, Steve. It's been a pleasure. So I'm going to ask you, 
with each of these segments, with each of these interviews, to take a moment during the commercial break and identify to yourself, could, did I hear their why? Did I hear the what that makes it work? What is their thing? What's the purpose that propels them? Why do they do what they do? And then what can I take from that to be able to either better fulfill my why in my life or to learn what it is and really chase after my powerful why as I'm living in this world as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. I want to jump right into our next guest as we explore some of the more basic setup kind of things in our business and what is it that works in them and what's the why behind why they work, but also our why that needs to be expressed in the things that we're doing online in order to be really powerfully successful. Join me in welcoming Oliver Feekins. Hey, Oliver, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I am good, thanks. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Yeah. So uh, my name is Oliver Feekins. I'm the CEO of Trusted Search Marketing. We're an internet marketing agency uh, based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm also an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, i got a couple other companies. Uh, one's called Track 5, which designs uh, recruitment platforms for different niche markets like uh, truck drivers, pilots, nurses. Uh, all of them are internet marketing based. And in other words, we wouldn't be here without really solid internet marketing. Um, so over the last decade or so, uh, you know, we've really been able to kind of home in the digital marketing, but also uh, we've gotten really good at pushing internet driven, you know, marketing driven internet businesses, I should say. So that's kind of, kind of my, my claim to fame, I guess. So, you know, Google came in and gave us a search engine that actually gave us relative, you know, rel relatively relevant results, you know, versus everything being a porn site. Um, yeah. <laughs> for those of us that remember the internet pre-2000, um, <laughs> what, um, what is, uh, you know, relevant results when it comes to uh, what you're doing? How does that, how does that work for you? Yeah, so Google is is the one we all serve, right? Google's the boss in charge, and and uh, ironically, I've heard that uh, you know Google gets a lot of good advice from the porn industry, so you never you never know. But uh, especially when it comes to, to you know AdWords and, and and PPC and things like that. But no, in all seriousness, Google is is the master, right? So we're always chasing and following, uh, you know, Mr. Google around, and and how can we kind of keep in line with them? They are the the sole, you know. Uh, judge, jury, and executioner when it comes to where your websites show. So, you know, when you're running an internet business or you're, for that matter, you're just trying to create a, a business that ranks well, maybe you're, you have a brick and mortar or retail. Um, it's always kind of following those, those kind of tips and those guidances from Google. So, and they change all the time. I was just uh, doing a video on our YouTube channel. Uh, I was tracking about 12 major changes that Google made this year 
uh, just to its algorithm alone. And, and that's actually small. In most years, they're changing dozens, you know, 30, 40 times. And we're seeing some of the changes have monstrous impacts, right? Like there are, there are certain industries that they really target that, you know, wipe, wipe industries off the face of the earth, you know? So especially in like the affiliate game and, and the affiliate marketing type of realm, they've been really, really cruel to that segment recently. Uh, people that are getting 7 million, you know, searches a day through their Google traffic going down to like 50 searches, essentially shutting them down. Um, you know, when we're seeing it across the, the, the board here, I mean, Facebook and, and Apple have had this spat recently uh, regarding user privacy, right? So as you're, as you're kind of going, I'm sure when you open up your iPhone, you see the apps that say, you know, allow us to track you, you know, opt in for privacy, things like that. And you have to now click yes or no. That was horrendously bad for, for digital marketers who advertise on Facebook and Instagram, especially, um, you know, your normal brick and mortar kind of smaller advertisers who don't have a lot of ability to move beyond that. Essentially, uh, it, it crippled, and we have clients that it crippled their business. Um, because they weren't able to target as finely because people were kind of uh, opting out of this, this network that allows to target them and, and their targeting had became so bad that their, their cost for customer acquisition or bringing clients in just skyrocketed because that medium no longer works. So SEO has kind of, was kind of taking a backseat to paid, you know, paid search and, and PPC and SEO and paid social, things like that. But now we're seeing SEO kind of climb up a little bit more in importance because it, it actually is kind of the more stable uh, it has more changes, but but nothing compared to what we've seen in PPC over the last year, especially with internet privacy. So, uh, you know, first of all, SEO is not for the faint of heart. You know, I think you kind of explained that, but what are some of the things that a person needs to know? Maybe just give us a basic primer to start off with on what we need to know about SEO. Sure. So when I teach SEO, when I'm talking to people that are kind of just getting started, right? Like there's, if you were to go and Google and, or watch YouTube videos about SEO and, and there's, it's kind of like, I guess not to get political, but it's kind of like, it's like COVID right now. You can get a different answer on anything related to COVID anywhere you go, right? And there's so much information. It's kind of hard to figure out what's real and what's not. But in SEO, it's also the same way. So, you know, you know, I always say tactics change, right? So what, if you would ask me this question two years ago, I would give you answers that may not be relevant today. So whenever I'm teaching SEO, I always try to, to stick to like strategies, like higher level strategies that are timeless and work regardless. So as the, the algorithms change, as new things come in and out of, of style when it comes to search marketing, if you stay to these kind of core building blocks, you're gonna be okay, right? And those core building blocks kind of break into a couple different things, right? So Google's, as you mentioned earlier, Google's job is to, when you put in a search into Google, he wants to show you the most relevant and authoritative web results, right? So relevant and authoritative. Those are two big like blocks that you, you really have to, to kind of cement. And as long as you're going with what is, is relevant and what's authoritative, the tactics will come in and out. So how, what do I mean by this, right? So relevancy. Um, making sure your keywords, you know, match the content, right? A lot of people back in the old days, back 10 years ago, um, what, when you could do anything you want, you know, we would do what, what is now considered black hat SEO. It's like a black magic of SEO. We would dump as many keywords into the page as possible. And then at the bottom, we would turn our text color to white and we would dump even more keywords. So you couldn't see them, but Google's crawler would just suck them all up and think we ranked for all of these. Obviously that didn't last very long, but that was the way SEO used to be back in the day. It was all about tricking the search engines. And now it's kind of evolved into this partnership of we've got to play by the rules. We want to provide the users good feedback. So how do we do that, right? So as we're choosing what keywords we're looking at, we're really hummering down on the, the intent of the keyword. What do they really mean by it? Um, what are they going to do with that keyword, right? So there's a difference between you know, girls tennis shoes and, you know, girls tennis shoes size, you know, seven on sale. The intent of those two keywords are completely different. One could be informational, one could be transactional, like they want to buy versus they're just looking about anything. Um, so we really want to make sure that our keywords are really, really targeted. And now Google has a lot of uh, AI, they call it natural language processing. So they're able to kind of not just understand and match your keyword with what's on the page, but they're investing a lot of money to try to figure out what really does that keyword mean and what could it be associated with even if the keywords don't match word for word they're trying to take it a step further you know and be able to really provide those results so that's what i mean by relevancy as long as you're kind of addressing those and thinking like a human and not trying to game the system it is more work it is harder 
But ultimately, that's what Google's spending their billions on is how they can go ahead and do this. And that's what SEO companies like ours are really pushing towards. So that's bucket one. Bucket two, authority, is basically how authoritative you are within the, the search results that come up, right? So same example, girls' tennis shoes, right? There's probably 20, 30, 40, 50 million web pages that Google ranks for that term, you know? And maybe they all have good SEO. Maybe they've all got the right keywords in there, the right content. But if you're Google, what, how do you choose between number one and number 50 million? You know, it's not how many times you use the keyword, although that does have some weight to it. If you mention it, just one versus a whole article about it, right? That does help, but that's not really what moves you. Authority is basically how authoritative Google thinks you are in the space. And it does that by measuring a couple different things, primarily how many people link to that web page. So they use backlinks or, you know, other websites linking to your website as a kind of votes of confidence. And then they also are able to measure the quality of those links to see how authoritative those are. So what that creates is kind of like, it's not like voting for you know king and queen in the prom, right? Where one vote equals one vote. It's, you could have, you know, if you get a link from CNN or whatever, um, that's worth infinitely more than, you know, a thousand links from, you know, you know, a Chinese blog network full of, you know, spam and things like that. Google is smart enough to know which is the higher authority. So, you know, as we're going to increase our clients authority we're looking to get these backlinks that google recognizes as being very authoritative authoritative and on top of that uh we want them to also be relevant and help sell something right if i can get if i'm doing you know girl shoes uh you know getting a link from like runner's world <laughs> is probably better than you know john's home blog you know like maybe not so many people are going to buy from the second one but if i can get a link on runner's world or some content on runner's world that's not only something that can help me move up in seo that's something that could produce referral traffic that buys from me so seo has kind of evolved to this tactic like trick google we're smarter than you to we're not smarter than you we're going to play your game and we're going to do decent marketing at the same time so that's generally kind of the two two kind of sides i would kind of recommend if you're just doing that all the tactics come in and out right if you view your internet marketing through those two lenses you'll be okay. <laughs> now let's do go back a little bit into the linking thing because one of the other tricks that we used to use that <laughs> will get you in big trouble now is you can't just have a million people link to you yeah. or even uh, you know, get big names to, you know, there's some tricky ways you can get links in there oh, too. Yeah. They have to be really truly legit links these days, yeah. darn it. <laughs> I know, I know. Back in the day, it was so much easier. Like, I think back in my tenure, right? Like, all the stuff we used to do back in the day that we couldn't do, at, I mean, at all anymore. Like, uh, back in the day, we used to do something called article spinning, right? Which is where you would, like, run, write one article, and you'd run it through a piece of software, and it would switch up through synonyms. So, like, you could, you know, mechanically just switch, you know, words around instead of good, best, instead of best, great. And it would do this throughout the whole article to make like 25 different versions of the article. So you could just go post them to all these low quality sites. About five, 10 years ago, Google kiboshed all of that. So when it comes to backlinking, it's, it's not really a game of as many as you can get. It's as, as many good ones as you can get. And they really do look at cadence, right? Like if I, if I throw a blog out or a website and I go and you know procure whatever, I get link build and they get hundreds of backlinks right away, that doesn't necessarily look very natural to Google, right? So they also time and count these and that's also how they get you in trouble that way. So as much as, you know, we have this argument with clients all the time, they're like, well, get me as many links as you can. Why don't I have, a, you know, hundred links today? And it's, it's, you know, it's having the conversation with them that actually does more harm than good. And, you know, again, we can get you five really good links or 50 bad ones and, and have the 50 bad ones not even move the needle or get you penalized. And to your point, there's a lot of links now that you get that actually carry kind of toxic weight to them. Either they're in bad neighborhoods or they have a lot of paid links or, or, or what we call blog networks, PBNs, private blog networks, which can actually get you penalized for over-optimization. Or, or back in the day, they released an algorithm called Penguin, which basically, you know, if you had a lot of these bad links, uh, you would see your traffic. We had it go to one of our sites on track five, right? So we've been doing SEO for 10, 15 years on this site. Back when a lot of this stuff we're talking about being bad now was completely legit, right? You can't really go and take it away. So as soon as they rolled out this algorithm, our site went from getting, you know, whatever, 60, 70,000 visits a month to 15,000 visits a month and almost crippled the business. 
And it took us about six months to get out of that by doing basically going through what's called doing a disavow strategy where we're going ahead and actually having to remove those links one by one and working with Google throughout the course of six months. And Google's not really great with telling you, hey, you're being penalized for having these bad links. Uh, they don't go and say like, these are the links that you need to take out. They'll use terminology like, you have a lot of bad links. They are links that look like this one, but not this one. <laughs> and they'll give you an example. And so then you end up going and just chopping and chopping and you'll, you do what's called a re-inclusion. You, know, re you send it back to Google and they come back like three weeks later and say, nope, that, that wasn't it. Or those other 30 that you nixed weren't it either. So now we're end up like kind of throwing the baby out with, out with the bathwater and we're, we're going that. So we've evolved a lot since then. Um, but yeah, it's super, super hard. So, you know, we're really, really strict on quality. Um, there's a whole industry for paid links now. I mean, we see them all the time. People charging up to $1,000 for one backlink off of a website. Thousand bucks. Some of these websites are making more money on links than they are in any other medium. It's insane. It's insane. I think it's important, um, especially for the new person. I mean, first of all, you need help. <laughs> Let's just put it yeah. there. But um you know, more so than that even is there is nobody that I've ever met that can long-term guarantee you permanent success, especially not, I love the ones that market for, we will make you number one on Google in a week. Hey. <laughs> Story, my man, but today, no, you're right. That That is. And like, you know, it, we would love to guarantee results. And a lot of, you're right, a lot of agencies will guarantee and promise crazy things. And the reality is you can't guarantee that tomorrow Google's not going to roll out an update. You can't guarantee that the, you know, the 40 other million competitors in, in my, you know, ladies tennis shoes example, aren't going to hire SEO or, 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 you know, uh, redo their whole SEO plan to beat you, right? You you can only guarantee what you're going to do, which all we can guarantee is that, you know, for ex example, us, we know what we're doing. We're going to give you the very best strategy that you can afford, and we're going to move forward with the very best work we can, you know? And that's, to be honest, that's kind of the, the really only true guarantee we can give in this one, you know? So for somebody who now understands why very much they need help from you, how can a person, uh, you know, go deeper with you? How can they work with you? So I think, and, and us or any agency really, I think the very first step to this is kind of taking a step back and realizing a couple of things, right? So what are your goals? You know, a lot of people just come to us and say, we need SEO. Well, why do you need SEO? Uh, well, we want, we want to rank number one in Google. Well, well, well why? You know, what kind of time frame do you have? What is your budget? Because there are some cases where we'll say, look, SEO, yes, you need to do, but you should be really doing paid search more than this. This is going to be a better avenue for you. Or, you know, we really think you should be doing some account-based marketing, or you should be really going heavy into video or podcasting for that matter. It really does depend on what they, what they want to do. But as far as SEO, SEO is a long-term play. It, the results last a lot longer than PPC, obviously, because if you shut PPC down, you got nothing, you know? But for some people, what I find is like they're, a lot of people have these really false expectations of how quick SEO is. And their, their expectations are that, that they're gonna see results immediately. And for those type of people, we recommend PPC, you know, whether it be paid social or, or Google AdWords, for example, because we can get them there quicker and they can see those results quicker. The problem is they want best of both worlds, right? They're like, well, great, now shut it off and, and keep it going. Well, it doesn't work like that. If you're in PPC, you're, you're paying the man regardless, right? So, um, you know, we do these integrated campaigns where we tell people like, look, you need a, a holistic omni-channel approach to your marketing, right? Because, you know, you need a long-term play, which is SEO but you want results today, which is PPC. So really it's a mix of doing both, right? And then people will say like, well, what about social media? Does that have anything to do with SEO? And it doesn't, and it does at the same time. It doesn't have any impact to SEO from an algorithmic perspective, but what it does do is help build those brand signals, which Google does look at. Now more than ever, Google's really trying to understand, uh, you know, uh, the brand signals. We call it a brand bias. You know, that's why you see a lot of these humongous brands dominating the page. Is it because they have the best SEO? No, it's because Google recognizes that, you know, uh, JCPenney is a brand, 
you know, and they're going to get somewhat of a favoritism in their, in their algorithm. So you don't have to be JCPenney to have a JCPenney brand. You can send the same signals organically um, through press, through social media, even through paid ads. So while they don't like affect SEO, they kind of do in the same way. Plus, we talked about links, right? So if you're sharing something on social about something you posted on your site, that's an opportunity for people to, to come back to your site and maybe give you backlink. So all these things kind of work together, which is why, you know, we don't call ourselves like we're an SEO company, even though that's most of what we do. We're a digital marketing company because it all comes, it all kind of plays together to do it right. And that's kind of the conversation we have with our clients. It doesn't always go over well, again, based on kind of perception, but, you know, we, we want to be able to be honest with our clients and, and we want to make them win long-term and short-term. And sometimes our strategy is different than kind of what they had in mind, but they generally get there. So where would they go to connect with you? Yeah. So if they're interested in uh, learning more about what we do, it's trustedsearchmarketing.com, trustedsearchmarketing.com. And they can check out some of our work, read some of our blogs, or we actually offer a free uh, like analysis, SEO analysis or PPC analysis. It's worth about 500 bucks. It takes us about four to five hours to complete. And we actually go through your site stem to, stem to stern from an SEO perspective and give you some action items. Even if you choose not to go with us, we're going to give you some, some feedback on that. Um, and then kind of make our case of why we feel like we're a good, you know, agency to go with or the best one to choose. Um, but we don't hold back. We give it to you either way. So yeah, trustedsearchmarketing.com would be where I'd start. Perfect. Well, Oliver, thanks so much for being with us here on the show today. I appreciate it. And good luck. I look forward to hearing it. <laughs> what is the purpose that propels that? And what's the why that's powerful behind what Oliver does, what can you learn from that? I encourage you to take this commercial break and think about that so that you can propel yourself towards being an even greater, thriving entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity, and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far, and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. Let's talk to one more guest and let's dump into the concept of why does she do that? What is the purpose behind those things? There are certain traumas and tragedies that happen in life and people make it through, stick through it with people. And let's look into why do they do that? What is it that they know or have in their life that drives them towards that with our next guest? Let's jump right in. Join me in welcoming Anne Michaud. Hey, Anne, how are you doing today? Hi, Steve. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Well, I'm um, a longtime journalist and I, a couple of years ago, I wrote a book um, and have issued a second edition just recently uh, in June. And I had been covering politics for a long time as a newspaper reporter and um, my book took a look at something that I became curious about in my work. Um, I was looking at um, writing about men who sometimes um, had a political sex scandal. 
such as Bill Clinton or Anthony Weiner, who was a congressman from New York, or um, Elliot Spitzer, who was a governor in New York. And um, they would come into these scandals. And I would um, wonder about the women who were staying with them as their wives. And my um, book is called Why They Stay and just um, attempts to answer the question about what factors are um, playing into their decision when they stay with their husbands. Very interesting. I'm actually looking at it here on Amazon, Why They Stay by Anne Michaud. Um, and I said that last name wrong again. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, but uh, really interesting. I mean, in fact, there was that whole TV show, uh, The Good Wife, about the lady that, you know, stayed in her whole life and all of that. So really cool. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, why do they stay? Did you find out any specific reasons why? Well, the um, that show, The Good Wife, is based on Elliot Spitzer and his wife, Silda, who were, um, he was the governor here in New York. And um, I did a, really a lot of research on the eight couples I profiled in my book. And um, I read about 400 books, articles, original documents. And I started getting a picture emerging of um, common histories and um, and motivations among the women. And I came down to five um, traits that I, I found that they had in common. Um, number one, they are very, were raised in a very traditional way often to expect, well, to expect that a man might step outside the marriage for sex. Um, they are very focused on security, both emotional and financial. Um, they have a personal sense of patriotism, which is an idea of what they would like to change in the world and, and partly that drew them together as a couple. They feel responsible for the family's emotional health and they have um, an ambition to build and bequeath a legacy both for themselves as a couple and for their children. It's so interesting, especially the list of names that you have here in the description. I mean, you're talking about the Trumps, the Clintons, but then you also go into the Kennedys and the Roosevelts. And I mean, this is a really interesting diverse list of people, even one of them in evidently British royalty. Um, wow, I bet you you could tell, you know, an hour worth of story on each of them. Yeah. Um, is there is their reasoning somewhat then the same between all of them? Or is it very unique for each situation? Well, I um, ended up using a metaphor of um, a woman who was an actual person named Elizabeth Woodville in the 1400s in, in Britain. And she became, she was known as the White Queen. So um, she was on the white rose side of the War of the Roses. And she was a minor um, nobility, a widow who married a uh, the man who was going to become king. And so I used this person as um, a metaphor for uh, sort of rating the eight women in my book on a scale. I call it the white queen quotient. And so, for example, I gave Eleanor an eight and I, Eleanor Roosevelt, and I, you know, I, I, um, sort of explain my reasoning behind that in the book. Um, who is the most motivated by, for example, power or creating a legacy, or maybe a little bit more motivated by um, the need for security in a marriage. And um, so 
everybody's rated on this scale in the book. Is there anybody that, that scored a, a perfect 10? Yeah, I had a couple of 10s in there. <laughs> Let's see, Hillary Clinton, um, Huma Abedin, who was married to Anthony Weiner and was also um, one of Hillary's top aides, and Melania Trump. Wow, very interesting book. So, um... Do, do you, in the book, do you go into any examples of wives who didn't stay and the impact that that ended up making on their life? Yeah, um, in a way. I mean, I, I definitely um, read books because the ones who don't stay often write about their experiences. So you see um, Dina Matos McGreevy. Um, who was married to Jim McGreevy, the um, governor of New Jersey, who um, came out and said, I'm a gay man and, and you know, I'm, I'm having an affair with my, one of my um, appointees. And um, she left and wrote about her experiences. Um, also, um, Jenny Sanford, who was married to Mark Sanford, who you might remember, um, disappeared and then said he was hiking the Appalachian Trail when he was in fact um, meeting his Argentinian lover. Um, and uh, I thought that Jenny Sanford's, um, her memoir was especially touching. She, the, she and, and Mark have seven sons, uh, no, four sons together. And um, she said something about, you know, what uh, example would I be setting for my sons if I, if I stayed with their dad? And so she ended up leaving. So interesting. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I knew cursory, you know, cause I did some prep for the show, but I didn't really, go deep enough to realize some of the the people that you were going to be talking about it and it's really interesting so um you know does it apply beyond quote-unquote celebrity wives to the day-to-day -day wife and them making the decision as to whether or not they should stay or not um i think that i ended up trying to parse, you know, here are some reasons when you would find for even a, a woman in private life. For example, you might have traditional beliefs about marriage or that you, you know, that you get married one time, you marry for life, you want to stay together, you want to make it work, um, that you care about the security of yourself and, and your family and your children, and you feel like it's the best thing for everyone involved if, if you try to get past the betrayal and, and move on. But I do think that the um, political couples, what you see, um, you do see considerations about um, wanting to stay in power, um, to pursue the patriotic ideals that you started out with when you married this person and also to um, appease the party, <laughs> either Republicans or Democrats, and also to make sure that the husband remains electable. Mm. So very interesting. I mean, you, you brought up Hillary Clinton and, you know, just because that's one everybody knows. Um, imagine, because you wouldn't even have to go, you know, post-presidency, you could talk pre-Clinton presidency. You know, imagine if on the first scandal, she would have just left. I wonder, would Clinton have even gotten elected the first time? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, his, they, they called them, among the people who were running, helping him to run for election, they called his uh, 
when he had a, a scandal, they called them bimbo eruptions. And um, I mean, I think there's some evidence that Hillary knew before they got married that he was not a one man woman. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> a one woman man. And um, that the campaign was prepared for some sort of, as they call them, bimbo eruptions, but I wouldn't wouldn't refer to another woman as a bimbo, but anyway, um, I think that at that point, it was 1992, and um, they, the campaign was very worried about an, um, an interview that Jennifer Flowers had given to, I think it was the star, one of those um, supermarket tabloids. And um, Hillary and Bill went on 60 Minutes and um, Hillary was sitting beside him, which in the theater of politics um, conveys the message that I love this guy. He's not such a bad guy. I'm here with him. I forgive him. And um, she also said, in that interview, you know, if you don't, if you don't believe him, if you don't like him, then don't vote for him. But I think, you know, her being there, her very presence was was a strong argument, saying, "This is a man I support. I'm standing by him," and um, he was elected after that. So I think that. Um, that it did the trick. Well, the book is called Why They Stay, Sex Scandals, Deals, and Hidden Agendas and the Agendas <laughs> of Eight Political Lives. And it sounds so interesting. I'm looking forward to reading more of it. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate your interest. What are some of the things that you learned from that? What are the whys behind why women that go through a situation like that do stay? What are some of the things that you can think of in your own life that other people jumped ship, if you will, and went somewhere else, but you stuck around? What is the purpose that propelled you? What is your why? The powerful thing that got you through, that moved you towards, that kept you going when others didn't. What's the why behind that? What's the secret to how you were able to do that when so many others didn't? I hope you've taken some time today to be able to think that through and to really solidify that more in your life because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world, oh, the world so needs you. You are so important to this world. There is so much that you have to give. And the more clearly you understand your why, the purpose that propels you, the you that is you, that you show up to be who you're meant to be, and then knowing what elements it takes, what things you need to do in order to really truly show up as the best version of yourself while it's called today. I'm so grateful that we got to spend this time together. I hope that you are happy, safe, warm and loved, that you can thrive as an entrepreneur inside of your what and why today as you live as a thriving entrepreneur. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. 
<laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You are-